grief can be lonely and isolating, especially for those experiencing pregnancy and infant loss. At times, it may even feel as if the sorrow might consume you. Welcome to the Birthies Loss Support Podcast. Join me, your host, Michelle Smith, as I hold a much-needed space for grief, remembrance, and the journey of healing through conversations with grief and trauma experts, the sharing of stories of loss and love, as well as guided meditations. Hello and welcome. I'm very grateful that you are here. In this episode, I am delighted to have a conversation with Naima Bond. Naima has her master's in education and has been serving children and families for over 25 years in the area of early childhood and disabilities. She has recently shifted her focus to supporting mothers through the birthing process. She is a certified birth doula with a matrion and is also going through her donor certification, Naima was brought up with meditation as a child. She learned about calm birth through APA, the Association of Pre- and Perinatal Psychology and Health, and knew it was a practice she wanted to include in her birth business. She has been associated with calm birth and completed the program in 2017 and then became a calm birth teacher trainer in 2019. She is supporting families in her private practice and is assisting and teaching calm birth to other birth and wellness practitioners. Welcome, Naima, to the podcast. I am so grateful to have you here with me today. Well, thank you. I'm happy to be here as well. Yes, I always love, love chatting with you. Likewise. (laughs) So... Let's just go ahead and dive in. And can you share what brought you to your work as a birth and bereavement doula? Yes. So just a little bit about me. I am a birth doula in the Atlanta area. I have been a doula since about 2015. I myself experienced infant loss. I had a miscarriage on December it was December 30th, 2012, mm. and had to have a DNC on January 1st, 2013. That's how I started my year that year. Wow. So two years later, I decided that I really wanted to get into birth work. And in doing that, I knew I wanted to find a course that talked about bereavement, first of all, to just make sure and see if it triggered me mm-hmm. as if it triggered me and I was still, and I, you know, I did the therapy, took time off and did all those things. But if it triggered me, then that means that I would need to do a little bit more work on myself before I started really supporting families because you never know. Right. Right. So I took the course, first of all, just to make sure number one, that I wouldn't be triggered. And number two, I just felt as a birth worker, that's very important. You know, we kind of are at the gates of new life and potentially infant loss or demise. It's just a delicate balance. 
And I, as a birth worker, wanted to make sure that I had as much information starting out that I would need to support families. So I actually, to be honest, I was, you know, you start joining doula groups and I saw a full spectrum doula. Her name is Neka Hall. She had a infant in pregnancy loss course, and it was very reasonable. So, and it was self-paced. So I mm-hmm. thought, okay, well, let me start diving into the coursework. And if it got to be too much or something, I actually could pause if I needed to. Right. So I took a course. She's hails out of Boston. And her story is that she had a pregnancy and unfortunately she lost her baby late. And so this opened the door for her and her whole platform now focuses a great deal on infants and loss. So she created PALE, which is Parent, Infant, and Loss. It's actually a support group for parents who have lost infants, a place where they can share, a place where their babies can also be remembered, which is nice because people don't always know how to support someone who has lost an infant. Yeah. Sometimes they think, well, not saying anything makes it better, you know, not drawing attention to it makes it better. But she definitely supports that you acknowledge the baby. The baby did happen. You were pregnant. You know, you were carrying a child. So it's a space where parents who have lost infants can share pictures or information or memories or just how it felt to hold their baby for a couple hours or to have that time. It's really a beautiful, safe place to acknowledge the birth which for some families helps not just, you know, acting like it didn't happen. So she's created this wonderful space. Again, it's called PALE, Parent and Infant Loss. And it is a place to acknowledge parents who have lost. She also trains. She just launched a training component where you, if you want to train on the subject, you can go through her training and you're able to train on the topics that she's researched. I took the course so that I'd be able to use the information with my clients, but she definitely has created a magnificent platform to recognize families who have gone through this situation of losing an infant. Yeah. And unfortunately it's a lot more common than what people realize. Absolutely. And and that's the other reason why I decided to take the coursework, have that in my toolkit. Even when I lost my baby, I didn't realize, like I had a lot of coworkers tell me, oh yeah, I did too. I lost one. I lost two. I was like, really? I I had no idea. It truly was as common as it is. I had no idea. Yeah. It's been surrounded in silence for so long. And I've noticed it's really great the way social media has created more platforms for families to learn and to have resources and safe places to share about their child. Yes. And it was just recently, October 15th, which is Pregnancy and Infant Loss Remembrance Day. Mm -hmm. 
And I had been a doula for years. I'm kind of embarrassed to say. And I had no idea that there was this day to honor our babies and children gone too soon. And that October was Pregnancy and Infant Loss Awareness Month. Yes, that I knew the day, but I think it was either not this year, maybe last year that I realized that October was the actual month. I did not know either, but I love that the awareness is getting out there. And I love that there is a space created now for families birthing people who've gone through this so that they can be acknowledged and we can recognize that this does happen. Yeah. And there needs to be better resources available as well. Yeah. And some hospitals, their emergency rooms handle, navigate pregnancy loss with more grace and more compassion than others. And it's really alarming to me. I have a client that I'm working with right now that she almost hemorrhaged to death. Mm. And the staff was just dismissing her. And I think we need more training in hospitals for emergency room staff. And of course, in OBGYN in general, but one organization that does a lot with that is Resolve Through Sharing. Mm. And I did their training years ago and it's it's excellent, but it's... (laughs) It's really kind of scary how uncompassionate staff can be sometimes. And, you know, it's hard because in some ways, I'm sure the medical staff take this as, quote unquote, I'm doing my job, but there are human beings attached to your job. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes that gets clouded. (laughs) You know, you may be comfortable with, hemorrhaging and you know what to do mechanically, but they just have to be mindful that this may be your 50th hemorrhage. So you're very confident in what you're doing, but this may be the first one for this individual. Right. So there needs to be some understanding and a level of compassion in that situation. I think that's where it gets clouded sometimes. Right. And training on meeting a family where they're at. Yes. As some prefer to think of their baby as a fetus. Some prefer that this is my baby. This is my child. And sometimes medical staff, if it's an earlier miscarriage, they'll refer to their baby as byproducts of conception. Yes. I think the language and the verbiage that's used, I think they need to start with the question, how do you want your baby to be recognized? Or I can't even think of the proper words right now, but something like that, just so that you can at least start the conversation where the family is. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you're right, I think that's very important. I've heard stories where families have said baby, but they still refer to it as products of conception. If the family has said this, I don't see why it's so hard not to acknowledge what the family is saying and just go with it and why you wouldn't, once it's been acknowledged how I want this to be referred to, why you would insist on referring to it in a different manner. 
because that seems like a very easy way to respect the family in that situation. Right, right. And I understand it's not always possible initially to know how they're going to refer to their baby. For some, thinking of their baby as a fetus or even maybe byproducts of conception because it helps them to cope. I've had clients where I know one in four pregnancies ends in miscarriage or loss and something wasn't developing correctly. And it just helps them to cope where others they've bonded with their baby before they've even conceived their child, especially if they're doing IVF or ART and they've spent so much emotional and physical and just all, all areas invested in becoming pregnant. And then to lose that baby is, it's always devastating. But I think in that case, it just takes on so many more levels and nuances. Absolutely. Yeah. So for families that may be listening, what are some of your suggestions if they're experiencing a miscarriage or pregnancy loss or baby loss? Well, the first thing I would do, honestly, is seek out some sort of support. Mm -hmm. uh, It's such a unique situation you really almost need to find other people who've gone through it before because again family try their best but don't always know how to support Mm -hmm. and the first thing I would do is literally ask the family you know how do you want me to refer to the situation how do you want me to be here a couple summers ago now I have a family that hired me for doula services and I've, I've gotten permission to share this and they ended up having a miscarriage. Mm. And so some of my support to her because her husband had a traveling job and he had to be away. So some of my support was literally sitting at the foot of her bed and allowing however her emotions told her to take her or go and literally just holding space for her mm-hmm. being there, you know, when she needed something to make her something, make her some tea, she would journal that helped her. And, you know, she didn't share with me and that sometimes journaling made her cry, but being there just to hold her hands through it. So some of my support was just literally holding space for her and when he came into town for the both of them Mm -hmm. but them connecting with a support group was very helpful just in talking to other people who've gone through it and even though he lost the baby in the first trimester it still was hard it still was difficult for her yeah yeah and I think that's something that I feel like it's important to address or to heed with caution because sometimes in grief and loss, and especially when it's pregnancy and infant loss, we can compare losses. 
Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. Yes. And to know that everyone's loss is valid. Mm-hmm. Everyone's grief is valid. Mm-hmm. And we can just kind of, well, you know, I lost my baby. I was only six weeks pregnant. So I shouldn't feel so bad. They lost their baby at 39 weeks or their baby was four months old and died of SIDS. But we don't want to dismiss our grief. Everyone's grief is valid. I've heard it said that the depth of our grief parallels the amount of love and connection and bonding that we've had with that person that we love. Yes. Yes. Honestly, taking the course because this happened to me, I went through it and I kind of did lock it in the back. Like, okay, I had that experience. I did all the things. I went to therapy. I took time off of work, all of those good things, but I, I hadn't really truly dealt with it. Mm. So taking the course, you know, I had moments, but it really helped me also not just tuck it away and put it away in a closet. It kind of brought it to the forefront. I had to really kind of see how I felt about it. And it made me sad. I cried some, but the course had so much information and things that like, oh gosh, you know, some people do want a keepsake. Some people don't. I had another family that I supported and they were having a rainbow baby, which means getting pregnant after loss. And they did have a keepsake from the first pregnancy. And so they kind of were hesitant, like, I don't know if we should bring it. I said, well, you know, what do you want to do? And they said, well, we do want to acknowledge him. I said, well, then bring, it was like a very cute little I think it was an elephant that they had made mm. out of one of the outfits that they purchased. Oh, wow. Really cute. And so they brought it. And then when the baby was born, they took pictures with the baby they just had. And they had a little elephant in the picture as well. Mm. And when she saw those, she was like, I'm so glad you actually suggested because it's like we had it, but we weren't going to bring it. We're so glad we brought it. We're so glad that our first child was acknowledged with our second. Like that meant so much to them. And it was a simple act of just having the keepsake that they created included. Yeah, that's making me teary. That's so beautiful and insightful. It was, but you know, I I felt like, oh, should I bring this up? But again, they made the keepsake. It was prominent in their home. So let's bring that in, you know? Well, you would have pictures with the siblings if if all the siblings were living, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. So just, again, thinking of it in just with a different lens. Yeah. That acknowledgement is so important. Yeah. Oh, and it just made such a difference. Like this is their family. Yeah. It's okay to that that is part of the family as well. Yeah, I love the family portraits where the photographer will put a shadow in for the children that they're parenting in a new way because that are always their children. 
they're just not living here now. Right. But they are their children and acknowledging them and giving their place in the family, honoring them is so important. That's part of what Gary Vogel talks about. Mm-hmm. And I had interviews with him in previous episodes, listeners, so you can find those and I'll put the numbers in the show notes along with the information that Naima is sharing. But he talks about learning to parent our child that's no longer with us physically because we're always that child's parent. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's beautiful. That is beautiful. Yeah, his work is amazing. It really is. And I just want to tip my hat to you for lack of better words because to begin your doula career with enough insight and compassion to self to realize I'm going to start here with my own loss because I might be triggered. That truly is commendable and so insightful because some of us get into this work because we want to help people, obviously, but sometimes it's like we want to save people from what happened to us. And I think for you to know that, oh, I've had this significant loss and I want to make sure that I'm serving in a way that's going to be beneficial for the families and for myself, that it's not constantly creating pain for you. Well, I appreciate that. I got into birth work a little older, so I think (laughs) (laughs) maturity... (laughs) a lot to do with it. (laughs) Um, Not only that is I, before birth work, I worked in the Head Start systems. Yeah. So I was very aware of what grief and some of those other topics can create. So I just wanted to be very careful. I know when I first got back to work after my miscarriage, a colleague of mine who was pregnant around the same time as me, she was having her baby shower and I was fine until I walked into Babies R Us at the time. Mm -hmm. And I think it's so baby focused that I walked in totally prepared to buy her a gift for her child, but then everything hit me and I had to just leave. Yeah. Yeah. It was probably still a good three to four months. And, you know, she was just about to have her baby. I would have been just about to have my baby. And I thought I was fine. So I walked in there and saw all the little, you know, those baby accessories are so cute and the strollers and I froze and I had to leave. And then her shower at work happened. And I honestly, I didn't go because I just didn't know how I was going to respond. And I didn't want my situation to cloud hers. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, again, did all the things, went to the therapist and all of that. That was the only, and I think it was just because we both were pregnant at the same time. It was like, oh, right. But yeah, so I remember that. And that was another reason I said, well, let me make sure because that did happen. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Because my thing is, you know, when you want to support somebody, you want to be fully able to support them. You can't control everything, but I felt it was so important for me. Let me just make sure, first of all, I know what to do. And is it too much for me? I need to know that before I can support somebody else. 
Yeah. And then I think it's important to know and acknowledge that due dates, anniversaries, holidays, like as you were telling your story, all I kept thinking of is, oh my gosh, you had your loss around a holiday. And it Mm -hmm. just, I feel like it amplifies it a bit. A little bit. Yeah. 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 (laughs) I had my miscarriage right before Christmas. And so, Mm. and it's kind of funny because it's been quite a number of years, but I do feel like our mother's hearts, our bodies remember, and I'll get kind of melancholy around the 18th. And then I'll stop and I'll think, oh yes, this was the time. This Mm -hmm. was the time. And, you know, the pain has softened because I've been blessed with other children, but there's times where you can talk about it. We remember our bodies remember. And I don't think there's any getting over it. We walk through it. It's a journey. It can soften, but it's there. And one of the things that I love, Amy Wright Glenn, her work is amazing as well. There'll be an interview with her and the podcast also that she's talked about. And then Diana Kelly did as well that women, we women remember, and how when women are on their deathbed, mm. they will talk about the children that they gave up for adoption the children that they miscarried, Mm. if they had a stillbirth, if they had a child that died later in life. That's one of the things that we do is we're letting go of our own life as mothers, Mm. is we acknowledge those children, even if we may have never talked about it before. Right, right. And there are some New Year's days where I do think, wow, I'd have like an 11 and a 7 like, oh my gosh, seven-year-old, like that's... Yeah. And it does flash. It does flash. But I'll be honest, like I wouldn't acknowledge after I took the course, it did even help me acknowledge that this did happen. You can talk about it. Mm-hmm. Even though it was the first trimester, that was still, you feel like that was a baby. Mm-hmm. So it even helped me understand myself Yeah. How I deal with it a little bit better. Yeah. And again, I just think it's so commendable that you started your career as a doula that way, because it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when we will be supporting someone that's experienced pregnancy and infant loss, whether it happens during the pregnancy, like it happened in the story you were sharing or for me with my clients, or you're supporting someone that they're pregnant again, and they had a very significant loss, or they've had multiple miscarriages, not that they're not all significant. But as I say that I'm thinking of someone that had a placental abruption and almost died and lost Mm. her baby. So when I use those words, that's what I'm thinking of, because she almost lost her life along with her baby. And so when she was pregnant again, supporting her, it's just a different level of support. Right. And understanding that too, if you do get clients where this happens to come up, understanding that there may be 
a higher level of fear or anxiety yes. because this thing did happen, Yes, you know? Yeah. You lose your birth innocence as I've heard it said. Yes. Oh, that, yes, that's what it is. Because even the family I supported who had the rainbow baby, there was definitely a higher level of anxiety, mm-hmm. you know? And I mean, I support all birthing people in the birth that they want. But she definitely, because she had the experience of having to push out a baby that she knew was not living, yeah. like she wanted the effort. She actually had the birth experience. So she literally, it was the most beautiful, I think, birth as far as using like an epidural. She literally was able to sleep through most of her contractions, honestly, because I could tell they were happening. And literally they had to wake her up to push. She might have pushed for 15 minutes and then she had her baby. Like it was most beautiful. Yeah. It wasn't very long. I think it lasted from maybe about seven to about one o'clock in the morning, which for birth is not bad. Right. right. <laughs> Especially because you were asleep most of the time. Yeah. It was just beautiful. That's one of my best in hospital experience births. And, you know, it's very rare but the doctor was actually crying as well. Like the doctor was crying Mm -hmm. and sharing. It was just beautiful all around. It was just, just a wonderful birth. Yeah. I think it's healing for physicians, for doulas, for midwives, when they've cared for a family through a loss, and then Mm -hmm. you get to be there when they have that healthy baby in their arms like it yes. just, that happened recently for me with one of my families. I had supported them through their first birth and then multiple miscarriages, one of which was of twins. And then when she had her baby boy, I mean, there, we were just crying and crying and so grateful. Yeah. yeah. So... I wanted to discuss, if we can, how loss and grief can be different for African-American families, please. Yes, thank you for asking the question. It is different in terms of how, in my opinion, medical professionals treat African-American families. Mm As you know, being a doula, Black woman, African-American women are four times more likely to have complications in birth setting. And people say, you know, it's not that being Black is the issue. Right. Truly, honestly, what it is, is how they are not listened to in the medical profession and how they're not being acknowledged in the medical profession. That's what makes it a higher risk. That is why... You know, when I have African-American clients and I'm their doula, I really want them to tell me, how are they talking to you when you bring up these situations? What's being said? How do you feel like you're being treated? That is the issue. So when you have a demise, there may not be that extra caring. It may Mm -hmm. just be like, oh, you know, I mean, I'm not trying to be so callous, but yeah, this happened. But, you know, you were only in the first trimester where with another mother of a different race, most likely Caucasian, 
may have gotten a little bit more comfort. I still feel like the medical profession doesn't support birthing people with demise as well as they should, right. but they might get a little bit more comfort. When it comes to African-American mothers, there may not be as much explanation. It's like, well, this happened, you know, move on. That extra layer of care, compassion, and understanding is not always there. For my African-American mothers on their birth plans, I tell them be very explicit that any procedure that happens needs to be explained to me and not just done to me. Mm-hmm. So that layer of just explaining or, you know, making sure that the patient understands what happened may not be there. The time it takes to share that information may not be there. So I think that's what makes it more challenging because we're already coming into a system where we don't necessarily feel listened to or supported. And then a tragedy happens. And so we don't have that relationship already. So it just makes things 10 times worse. Yeah. And in my experience, sometimes there's assumptions made Yes. about the family. Yeah. Absolutely. That aren't true. Yes. So it's those factors that make it more challenging at times when a tragedy, when a real, not to say not being listened to is not a tragedy because it is. Yeah. <laughs> if I say I'm in pain, believe that I'm in pain and don't ask any other questions, but it just adds that extra layer to make things even worse. And then sometimes I know, you know, when those things happen, they may not be offered the counseling. Mm -hmm. It may not be suggested that maybe you need to find a support group or let's find a support group specifically for African-Americans or what's going on with you. So that layer of support, extra support may not be provided as well. So it's like, well, this happened, go home and deal with it, you know? Yeah. So that's why I feel like it could definitely make it more challenging and difficult when there's a loss involved. Yeah. And I do want to mention that there is Sisters in Loss. Mm -hmm. It's an online community. And again, we'll be putting different resources in the show notes for families and for providers for doulas. I did want to mention, I know I mentioned Necca Hall. She actually has a live Infant and Loss Summit going on right now. Oh. I think the first phase was October 6th and the 13th, but she's also doing October 20th and 27th. And it's from 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. Oh, excellent. Which is nice because it's in the evening. It's completely free. And I believe you can go to Parent, Infant, and Loss or Pale to get the information on how to sign in. But I believe she's using the Zoom platform. And she is pulling in professionals from the field or professionals who deal specifically with infant and loss to give resources to parents and give resources. I think she's going to be playing it back. I think there's a way to see the recorded sessions that have already happened. Just as another resource, because there's just not a lot of information, a lot that's shared. Yeah. So look for that. And like I said, I believe she has recorded sessions. It's completely free because I know this may air after the conference, but just as an option for people who are seeking information. Yeah. So before we close out, I'd like to ask, a few 
questions. One is if someone would like to get in touch with you, how can they reach you? Yes. So if you would like to get in touch with me, you can reach me at my actual website is Oya. That's O-Y-A birthandwellness.com. I'm also on Instagram. My handle is just my first and middle name, Naima, and then my middle name, Danita, which is D-A-N-I-T-A. And I actually have had people DM me because of things that I post to get more information. I am a sharer of information. So if you need something, you absolutely can reach out to me and I will find it for you and give it to you because I feel like some things we just need to share. Yeah. If you need support and I have information, I'm just going to share it with you. Yeah. Especially for a topic like this. Yeah. I think part of that comes too from you working in Healthy Start for so long too, yes. that share information, yes. right? Absolutely. Right. That's my original training. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's why I'm doing this podcast and have my others because I want to share information and make it accessible. So thank you for that. Absolutely. It, you know, you don't realize how sometimes a link or a support group can really support someone. I have a very good friend who I call my brother. He reached out to me because his very close friend who he grew up with has been about seven to eight weeks postpartum and lives in another city. Mm. And he said, Naima, I, I, I don't know who else to talk to. She did sound good to me over the phone. Mm. And I think she's having challenges. So I went to my doula network, found someone in her city, and I was able to connect her with some resources. And she was like, how did you do that? Oh, I was like, needed something. So I figured it <laughs> yes. out. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, it's so wonderful. So as someone that has supported people through loss and who has had a loss yourself, is there something that you found to be helpful? And then what did you maybe not find helpful? Or do you wish looking back as you were grieving, you wish you had known? Does that make sense? It absolutely does. Uh, to be honest, I guess it would have been nice to know. And I found this out later again, once I returned to work and talked to other people, that this is a lot more common than I would think it was. Yeah. That women are kind of, we're kind of, I won't say everyone, but suffering in silence because again, once, because I'm just so vocal, I just say it, you know, once I go through it, I'm able to talk about it. And I found out so many of my coworkers and colleagues who are women were going through the same, had gone through the same thing. So just if I had known that I wasn't alone would have been more helpful or that this was not a unique experience to myself, that there definitely were so many other people who also were going through it. Yeah. But it was helpful. And what really did help is as I did start talking, it kind of opened up gates and people responded. And I had friends who said, Naima, I don't know how to support you, but I'm here. Mm -hmm. And just being transparent and not ignoring what happened or not wanting to bring up the subject, but being transparent and saying, Naima, I don't know what you need, but I'm here. You know, when I was in the hospital room, because I had some slight complications and had to stay a couple of days, 
again, I, I did do the morphine the first couple. Then I said, nope, you know, don't get used to this. <laughs> so, wean yourself. <laughs> but one time when I woke up, I literally had like my three at the time closest friends in the room. Oh, wow. And luckily my boyfriend at the time did reach out to people, but you know, our parents were in at that time they were, I think at that time, were they still in California or they were in Vegas? They weren't nearby. So to wake up and see my three closest girlfriends just in the room with me stayed, were able to make me laugh a little bit, which again, you think, how could you laugh with that tragedy? Trust me, my friends were able to do that. Yeah. And laughter is healing. Yes. Laughter was healing. And just knowing that he called, they showed up Wow, just the whole space with me and saying, you don't know what you might need, but we're here was tremendous. Yeah. You know, I wish I had known more women went through this at the time. This is before I started going into birth work and things like that. But just knowing that, unfortunately, this happens, I'm not alone. But then having my friends and they didn't even they didn't know they were holding space for me. But just being there and being able to stay with me while I couldn't get up, while they were doing tests and me not being alone was so helpful And then being honest and saying, you know, we don't know what you might need, but we're here. Yeah. Yeah. And that's perfect. And I think sometimes we're so quick, we want to say something, we want to fix it, but we can't really fix grief, but we can companion someone and do exactly what they did. Yeah. Yes. And that's important too. They didn't. And I'm so glad you said that, Michelle, because so many people do want to fix. There was nothing to fix. It happened. And they didn't try to fix anything. They just allowed whatever I needed to talk about. There were some times when I just didn't want to talk and we were all silent and it was fine. Yes. Yes. And so that was a gift, you know, Yes. that I didn't even know I needed, but they just were in the room. I would nap and I felt guilty. Like, oh gosh, I've got to sleep for 30 minutes. You guys didn't say anything. They're like, nope, we were texting each other. Let you rest. But they didn't leave me. Yeah. Well, they didn't leave me. So that was what I needed. Amazing. You have good friends. That's amazing. I do. I do. I do have good friends, but that's what I needed. And it wasn't uncomfortable. They're just like, you know, you sleep, you're supposed to sleep, you should sleep. So they felt good knowing, okay, Naima's comfortable enough. She's relaxing enough where she's resting. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that was what I needed and that was extremely helpful. Yeah. That's the thing too. We can sit in silence. Sometimes we're not comfortable doing that as a culture. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And also people, when they're grieving, there's just so much going on. And even the physiological mechanisms that happen within our mind and body, our thoughts might be slower and we need time to even formulate them, to express them. And so giving space for that is huge. Yes. So that's what I would say. The support of people who truly love you. And just knowing, fortunately or unfortunately, that other people are going through the same thing. Yeah. And that you're not alone. That's so huge because grief in itself can be lonely. 
Mm-hmm. We're both walking through the loss of one of our parents yeah. within the last year or two. Mm-hmm. And even in that, that can be lonely. But when we lose a child and it's this almost taboo subject that people kind of tiptoe around or afraid to talk about, you can just feel so lonely and isolated. And to know that there's others that are walking along with you just makes such a difference. I think that you're not alone. And I think even to we birth professionals, it's nice to have another doula that understands birth and bereavement to talk about, because that can get lonely in itself too. Oh, that's a great, great point. I do doula with another doula and we both have gone through the coursework together. And so our thought is, you know, again, if this happens with one of our clients, we both have the information. So we both can support because again, sometimes that burden is a lot. Mm -hmm. You know, when I had to do this a few summers ago, I was by myself. So it is nice to know that, you know, if we have clients and something like this happens, that we both are, have some training and some coursework and we can both support each other. Cause that still is, even though you are supporting someone else, that's a big burden. I was, for my clients, I would come home. I made sure I was in nature or I took a bath or I did something, even though I was supporting them to make sure I was also staying grounded and okay. Yeah. Because even though I'm supporting and even though I have the training, that still brings up things for me still as well. Not as triggering, but things linger. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm human. So just making sure that I am taking care of myself as well as I'm supporting someone else. Yeah. And having another doula or someone to talk to about it and talk about your experience and debrief and someone that can hold you in your grief because we typically become very close to our families and we're grieving along with them. Yes, absolutely. And then our families see us grieving (laughs) and they don't necessarily know the family and all of that, but they see us in our grief. And that's why it's good to have that circle of support to go out to as we support. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you so much for this conversation. I love our conversations so much and you know, I'll be having you back on the podcast. (laughs) I appreciate you as well. And thank you for the opportunity and the platform that you are creating. I learned so much from your podcast as well. Thank you. So thank you for just creating this space. Thank you. And thank you all for listening. And whether you're a birth professional or a bereaved parent, know that there are resources out there for you and you're not alone in this. And so we're holding you all in our thoughts and our prayers. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you found this episode helpful and it provided you some comfort. 
or insights. For a list of bereavement resources or to connect with me for grief support, please visit my website at birthyservices.com backslash loss-support. You can also find me on Facebook and Instagram at Birthies Loss Support. If you would like to help to support me in this work to hold space for grieving families, one of the simplest and best ways is to please follow, rate, review, and share, and share again this podcast. And please be kind, compassionate, and patient with yourself as you walk this journey of grief, remembrance, and renewed hope. Remember, there is no right way to grieve the loss of your baby or your loved one.